It is a good week to be a fan of the number one team in the AFC. Am I right? Let's talk some Chiefs, guys. Welcome to the Chief in the North podcast, the land of 10,000 takes. I am your host, Minnesota Chiefs fan, or Seth Kaiser. And like I said, it's a great week to be a Chiefs fan. And man, I've been saying that multiple weeks in a row now. The Chiefs sent the Chargers packing. They went into L.A. and took care of business. Um, That was a weird game to watch for a variety of reasons, part of which was the whole soccer stadium thing, part of which is the fact that you could hear Chiefs chants and Tyreek chants and all kinds of stuff. But overall, man, great, great win. Now, was it a perfect win? No. And we're going to get into some stuff about that. But we're going to start off with the good stuff. Because 3-0, only undefeated team in the AFC, and of course, there's the fact that Both Denver and Oakland lost. Oakland in humiliating fashion in front of the entire country, which is just, I mean, delicious. It is delicious. It's like eating a Z-Man. Well, no, maybe not quite like eating a Z-Man. It's not quite that delicious, but it is, it is delicious. Um... And we'll talk a little bit about Oakland because it, it kind of directly affects the Chiefs because the Chiefs play Washington on Monday Night Football, which, a uh, a Chief in the North podcast announcement, I am going to be at the game on Monday night against the Redskins. I'm traveling down. Uh, a, a good buddy of mine uh, is uh, is providing me with a pair of tickets. I'm bringing my older sister, who's a huge Chiefs fan. She's only been to Arrowhead, I think, one time. And I'm just, I'm very excited. It's going to be great. Um, the, the plan is to head into town Sunday night, go to Joe's for lunch on Monday. Probably a little late because, man, I don't do lines. And then try to get to the game as early as possible. Enjoy the sights and sounds of Arrowhead. Try to stop by a few tailgates. It's going to be awesome. If you're if you're tailgating and you, 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 you'd like to pop by or you'd like me to pop by and say hi, I'd love to if I have time. I mean... It would be great to meet as many people that listen as possible. Um, so you can throw me a DM on Twitter. That would be a whole lot of fun, I think. I will get to as many people as I can. I'm not sure how much time I'll have or how much I'll be running around. But it sure would be nice to meet a lot of you uh, Chief in the North listeners. So I couldn't be more excited. Arrowhead should be rocking. Uh, a national game uh, coming off three straight wins. The Chiefs are probably going to be getting a lot of hype all this week. It's going to be another opponent that is considered a good opponent in the Redskins. It's going to be, I'm just, I'm very, very excited. And as, as always, the, it's always just a great thing to make the trip down to Kansas City, eat some barbecue, and see the Chiefs live. It's going to be great. But anyway, back to the fact that every other team in the AFC West lost except for the Chiefs. Isn't that great? It's just fun to say multiple times. Every other team in the AFC West lost. Of course, the Chargers lost at the hands of the Chiefs. And then Denver went down against the Bills, who are hardly considered a powerhouse. The Denver offense that up until just yesterday, I was hearing you know, how Trevor Simeon is, is, is taking another step, or that he's proven that the reason he beat out Paxton Lynch is because he's a really good quarterback. All this stuff, they came up against a decent defense, and they kind of crapped the bed. Well, what do you know? Isn't that weird? So we'll, we'll, we'll continue to see what happens in Denver moving forward. I honestly, uh, yes, the defense worries me a little bit. But overall, the Chiefs have dominated Denver recently. I don't expect that to change. Um, I was, coming into the year, genuinely more worried about Oakland and LA. Well, the Chargers are now 0-3. They 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 lost to the Chiefs in a, in a weird game, which you could probably say that about almost every game they've played in the last three years. Um, the Raiders got exposed on Sunday night by the Redskins, and like I said, we'll talk about that at the very end of the podcast. What the implications might mean for the Chiefs, but as far as what it means for Oakland. You know, I've talked to a few people about the game. I personally didn't watch it. I've tried to talk to a few people that I trust about what happened and, and, and why Oakland got beat so badly. You know, you read a few recaps from people you trust. You try to get you know, a little insight into the game. And what I'm basically hearing is that uh, the the offensive line for the Raiders just didn't have a particularly good game. That uh, it, 
one thing that many people said it was that it was almost like watching what the Chiefs have done to the Raiders over the last few years which was take away some of the short routes, try to apply some pressure on Carr, and force him to to make tougher decisions, and he eventually gets frustrated and starts making bad decisions and bad throws, which I got to tell you, I have absolutely no problem believing that that's what happened because I've seen that play out time and time again. I, Derek Carr is not a he, he, I'm just he's not an elite quarterback. He can't be considered that at this point. Because I've just seen too many times him get exposed when his offensive line isn't dominating. They didn't dominate against the Redskins, and he looked bad. Now, is he a bad quarterback? Certainly not. He's got good pocket presence, great arm talent, seems to make decisions quickly. He seems like a leader out there. He's pretty athletic. He's he got a lot of things going for him. I think he's a good quarterback. But this elite talk, you take away that elite offensive line, and Derek Carr comes screaming back down to earth. And it's not even so much when the line doesn't look elite, or when it just when it's bad or something like that. When it doesn't dominate, Carr is not does not play at that high a level. He just doesn't. He is reliant on great pass protection and having tons of time in the pocket, or just not getting moved off his spot at all, even when he's making quick throws. So I I think it'll be interesting to see how Oakland rebounds from this. I've been told by a few people that Marshawn Lynch looked a little bit more bottled up than he has in recent weeks. I got to tell you, the thing that was always going to be interesting about Lynch was seeing how he would look, not in week one or two, because he's still just such a gifted athlete that you can you can get by for a while. But how would he look in week four and five and six and seven and eight? How would he look as the season progressed after taking a full year off to you know tour Europe and do whatever he wanted to do? Which hey, more power to him. That sounds like a blast, but it's interesting to see how at 31 years old how that how the body's going to hold up at that point. So I'm happy. Chiefs fans are happy. It's just a great day. And so the, the, the first, the first thing to talk about from the chiefs win with regards to positive aspects of the win is obviously going to be Kareem hunt. Um, there's an article that came out just today. This, this podcast should be dropping Monday afternoon. Like always, um, there's an article that came out this morning, on Arrowhead Pride that I wrote regarding Kareem Hunt and what makes him special, what he's doing on his own. Um, I got into a few interesting conversations with people when I said, I can't think of five running backs that I would take over Kareem Hunt. And I got a lot of interesting responses from non-Chiefs fans saying, oh, Andy Reid's running backs are always productive. And so, you know, I'd take, and then they'd have this really long list of players, including like, you know, Joe Mixon and just guys that haven't done a whole lot. But I'd take him because Andy Reid's running backs are always productive. To that, I, I, I said to a lot of them, you know, did what happened last year then? Because Spencer Ware was, was great early on. Then he tailed off. And no one really, it's not like someone just stepped in and up, oh, just automatically replaced all that production. In fact, the run game was bad last season. It was, a, it was an Achilles heel of the offense, and it was part of the reason for some struggles. But yet, Kareem Hunt comes in, and all of a sudden, the run game looks ridiculous. He's, he's averaging, I, I believe it's 8-plus yards per carry, 8.5 yards per carry. That is, that, that's tremendous. And the, keep in mind, that's through three games. This isn't a one-game thing. How often have you been able to say that someone averaged over six yards per game in three consecutive games? Charles did it at times. Charles is one of the best backs I've ever seen. Kareem Hunt is getting it done against good defenses, too. He, 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 he's just he's a tremendous player. And here's the great part is he's more explosive than we thought he would be. He's making big plays. Like the graphic came up, he's got three touchdowns of 50-plus yards this year, a couple of runs, and then he's got the, the big pass against New England. He also had a big run against New England, too. He is just a genuinely explosive back even though his top speed isn't elite. He is explosive when he bursts through the hole. And I just wanted to say in response to this idea that it's Andy Reid's offense, the article addresses that a lot. And what what my basic point is, is that Kareem Hunt demonstrates a lot of skills that allow him to manufacture yards. He manufactures yards. He's averaging 4.21 yards after contact. That would be a respectable average for a running back 
just for yards per carry, and he's averaging that after contact. That's a huge deal. What Kareem Hunt possesses, yes, he's been put in some good positions, but if you just watch his runs of, of for positive yards from yesterday, say, you know, any yard, four or more yards, what you'll see is a lot of plays where he is just, he's, he's, he's making good decisions, making quick reads, being decisive, hitting the hole really hard, and then gaining yards after contact. The biggest thing with him, what I would say, and this is kind of related to vision, but he is decisive as a runner. He is incredibly fast to get north and south. If you look at the next-gen stats at NFL.com, which are tremendous, by the way, next-gen stats, so cool. They've got a lot of great charts and that kind of stuff. If you look at that, you will see that he they, they have a stat that kind of tracks how many yards a running back actually runs in order to gain a positive yard. So they're kind of gauging, you know, if you run around, you know, if you go laterally east-west a bunch of times, it's gonna, it's 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 gonna, it's gonna penalize you for that. Kareem Hunt, as of before this week, was leading the NFL in that. He gets north-south very quick. When he sees the hole, he explodes through it immediately. There's no hesitation there. And by doing that, he saves himself a tenth of a second or two tenths of a second. And in the NFL, two tenths of a second is fatal. One tenth of a second can be fatal. His, he's so decisive, and he's just. He, by doing so, he gets to the hole before the defense does, and it's so important to have that split-second advantage. Another thing with him that you all see is his strength and his bounce. Um, I, I'm comfortable saying now, after three games of a sample size, and also what we saw in preseason, because it's not like when we saw him in preseason, it was like, whoa, I, this guy can really play. There was some controversy whether him or where would be the starter. Um I'm comfortable saying I can't think of a running back in the league right now who is better at breaking tackles than Kareem Hunt. The only one who I think would be close would be Marshawn Lynch, who I'm talking Marshawn Lynch in his prime, not Marshawn Lynch today. Kareem Hunt is a superstar in the making, and we're getting to watch it before our eyes, continuing the tradition of Chiefs running backs that are unbelievably good. Um, that was the good news for the offense. Um, you know, the offense besides Kareem Hunt for the rest of the day, and then one big play to Tyree Kill. The first couple drives, it looked super efficient, and then it really tailed off. Um, now, could that have been a schematic thing? Yes, it, it, it could be, and we'll talk about that a little later in the podcast. You know, everyone always says, well, Andy likes to take his foot off the gas and all that kind of stuff. And maybe, I don't know. I do know that the offense looked a lot more like 2016's offense than what we've seen so far this year. Uh, Travis Kelsey obviously wasn't a big part of the game plan. I've had more than a few people ask me if if Kelsey was, you know, on some kind of almost in-game suspension. We'll see. Again, I'll talk about that a little more in a bit. But... You, other than that one big pass to Tyreek Hill, um, then you had another pass attempted down the left side to Hill that Smith just missed out of bounds, which the more deep passes you attempt, the more misses you're going to have. And so I'm not going to kill Alex Smith for missing that, although you're talking that would have been a very different narrative of the game if that one pass gets hit in stride, because I think Hill is gone if that happens. Um other than those two, you you didn't see any passes beyond 10 yards. It was all dink and dunk stuff. It was all very just close to the line of scrimmage. Um, if you look, it was interesting. There were It was 4.7 yards per pass play, which for the pass game is oddly low. In the meantime, there were 7.6 yards per rush. Um the, the running game was having a lot more success throughout the day. Even before Kareem Hunt's big run at the end of the game, he he was having way more success, in my opinion, than the passing game was. And so I got to be honest, during the second half especially, I got a little bit frustrated watching uh, the, the, the Chiefs continue to throw the ball when Kareem Hunt is having such a good game. Now, one thing that's been pointed out to me is they did a lot of rotating and maybe due to the heat and all that kind of stuff. And that's fine. However... When you got something that's working, and it's not like it was just Kareem Hunt, because the offensive line, in a a run-blocking sense, was doing very well against the Chargers. They were opening up some nice lanes to run through. And so when you've got something that's working, especially when you've got the lead and it's at the second half and it's the run game that's working, I don't know why you don't go to it more. There was one drive in particular that just made me crazy, where Kareem Hunt got the ball the first play, 
20-yard gain, and then three pass plays later, they punted. That drove me a little nuts on a day when the passing offense was clearly out of sync and clearly not working well. They just kept trying to throw the ball, which, again, it's an Andy Reid staple. I wouldn't say Andy Reid was as brilliant this game as he was the first two. I thought Andy Reid was excellent the first two games. I think he did some really good stuff early in this game, but it wasn't quite as good as it's been. That said, a lot of it was execution as well. Um, Really quick before we go into our first break, the Chargers had five sacks. Well, maybe this won't be that quick. And I've had a lot of people ask me, you know, well, who is that on? Is that on the line or Alex Smith? Well, without all 22, it's tough to say with 100% certainty, okay? Because you can't see whether guys are open down the field. But here's what I do know. I, I took a look at every single sack and gauge what kind of step it was. Every single one of them was on a three-step drop. And on two of them, Alex had absolutely no realistic time. Um, well, uh, let me let me rephrase that. Four were on a three-step drop. One was on a play action where he, where he, he didn't do an, a traditional drop following the play action. He, it was a play action. He turned to throw, and he got hit. He didn't have any time on that one. He didn't have any time on another three-step drop that he took. Those were two immediate pressures. I will say this, and keep in mind, Alex Smith has played very well so far this season. The other three sacks, um, I'm going to have to look at the all 22, but on all three of them, when he hit the top of his drop, he had at least a half second to get rid of the ball. And on a couple of them, rather than moving to a spot in the pocket where he could have. There were some places to go. He dropped his eyes and tried to run forward immediately. And that actually led to a couple sacks. So they maybe they did a good job containing him. On a couple of them, it looked like he could have escaped. And on one of them, it looked like he should have definitely gotten the ball out to an open Kareem Hunt. And this was on third and three in the third quarter um, with about 30 seconds left. You know, Smith dropped back. He had Kareem Hunt coming out of the backfield that was going into a, a little curl route. And... It looked to me like it would have been an easy first down had Smith released the ball just prior to to Hunt going into his break, but he didn't, and instead he took the sack. Now, again, these things are easy to criticize from my seat, right? At the same time, it was a little disconcerting to see Alex go back to dropping his eyes so quickly. Now, the Chargers have a great pass rush. And I understand that. And the offensive line has some stuff it needs to work on. But I will say three of those sacks... I would, at least again, so far, with just viewing the the broadcast view, I would attribute those more to Alex than I would the line. So we'll have to see where that goes. Um, again, Alex has played very, very well until that game. And he started off he started off the Chargers game really well. Hitting that deep shot to Tyreek Hill was great. Um, he continues to hit at least one of those per game. It will continue to change. All he's got to do is hit one a game to Tyreek. And it changes the way defenses play the Chiefs, or maybe it does, because i got to tell you, the Chargers seemed like they were content doing what they've usually done, and the Chiefs didn't make them play as much as they could have. But at least by having Hill burn them deep once, you at least make them think, and that's important. Overall, though, the offense just was not all that sharp. We're going to talk about that a little bit more after the first break, um, and then we're going to move on to the defensive side of the ball. Unfortunately, we spend a little bit of time talking about the negative stuff, too, in, a, in what was a good win against a divisional opponent on the road, quote-unquote. We're going to get in a little bit more to some of the negatives. We're going to talk a little bit more some of the positives, too, right as soon as we get back after this word from some sponsor who's sponsoring something that you should definitely, definitely buy. All right, we're back on the Chief of the North podcast. So we, we're talking about the offense just a little bit longer, and then we'll get into the defense. The offense, honestly, I, I said it before, it looked a lot like the offense that we saw last year. One change that I would say, and one reason why the offense wasn't anemic like it was at times last year, is that there was a solid rushing attack. And that changes a lot of things. When you've got kind of an old reliable to go back to when things aren't clicking, and you can hand it off to your running back, and he'll churn out 5, 6, 7, 20 yards for you, it changes a lot of things about the game. It makes things a lot easier a lot easier. And so that was one encouraging thing that on a day when even when the rest of the offense wasn't really wasn't really working, it uh 
it, they, they still had that to fall back on. And that's something that was very different last year when, when the pass game wasn't clicking, when Andy Reid wasn't winning schematically, the Chiefs offense just couldn't do a thing. Now, was the offense nearly as good as I would like to see it? No. Was it nearly as good as it's been? Absolutely not. But because of Kareem Hunt's ability, because of how good the offensive line, how good a job they've done with run blocking, they still have something to fall back on when the scheming of Andy Reid isn't working. That's Big news, and that's very encouraging news for any Chiefs fan who's worried that the offense is going to go back to looking exactly how it did last year. I would just say to note that they still they still hung 24 points on a on a tough tough defense. Now is 24 points a lot? Not exactly, but it's not a terrible amount. It's kind of an NFL average, a little above it kind of thing. But it happened in large part because of some of the plays that Kareem Hunt made on his own. That uh, now that long touchdown run. That was in part just gorgeous blocking by the Chiefs, but it was taken advantage of by Kareem Hunt, and it was also an issue of him hitting the hole very quickly, taking advantage of a linebacker hitting the wrong gap, and getting through that hole so quickly and decisively that the safety really didn't have time to do much. So that was in part great blocking, in part a bad play by the defense, and in part Kareem Hunt just being a good football player. So much faster in the open field than I anticipated. But anyway, you know, so for those who are afraid that the offense is going to look exactly like it did last year, I think with Kareem Hunt, I don't think that's a concern. Him, he's significantly better than a nicked up Spencer Ware, which is what the Chiefs had down the stretch last year. And so I think you're going to see, continue to see at least an okay offense, even when they're struggling to move the ball in the passing game. And that's a big deal. It's also worth noting that Conley and Kelsey were barely involved in the offense. That bothers me. Conley has done well when his number's been called this year. I think he only had like one target maybe, maybe two. I know one of them was a, on a very poorly thrown ball on the right side that he had no chance of getting. That, that was on the same drive where Kareem Hunt ran the ball for 20 yards and they passed three times. The first one was a quick pass to the right to Hunt to Conley. That was way out of his reach. I'd like to see Conley involved more. He's the Chiefs' most traditional wide receiver. Um, he's going to see a lot of one-on-ones, and I think he can beat a lot of one-on-ones. Now, it could well be that you know maybe he was matched up with Hayward a lot of the day. That's a decent secondary. But at the same time, I'd like to see him involved more. The bigger story was, obviously, Travis Kelsey's lack of involvement in the passing game. Now, interestingly enough, he's still, in my opinion, when I went back and, and rewatched the game... He contributed to the win, for sure, in that he had a number of of really good blocks in the running game. But it seemed like that was a lot of his job. And so, again, I've had people ask me, was this kind of like an in-game suspension for Kelsey? Randy Reed was like, okay, here's the deal. You acted like a knucklehead last week. We are going to call your number for a lot of work in the middle. You are going to be our grunt. We're treating you... Excuse me. We're treating you. Yeah, the idea actually sticks in my throat a little bit. The the maybe the message is, you know, normally you're our Tony Gonzalez, but today we're going to treat you like our Jason Dunn. And it seemed like he was very involved in a lot of the grunt work. Now, do I think that's what happened? I don't know. I, I really don't. Um, I'm not sure if that's how Andy Reid would roll, just because it would affect his game plan so much. And I don't know if he's willing to risk his offense like that, if he's willing to risk a loss. That said, doing it that way risks a loss a lot less than, say, actually benching Kelsey. So I could see it. So on one hand, I couldn't see it, and on the other hand, I could. But the more I think about it, the more it makes a certain amount of sense. Now, to be fair, we've seen Kelsey removed from game plans before by defensive coordinators playing well. He wasn't a huge part of the plan against the Patriots. Although he saw a few of the shovel passes and that kind of thing. and So, I mean, he saw one target early, which I got to say, if, if Andy Reid was planning on not using him much in the passing game, that is exactly what he would do. He would target him early and make the Chargers think about it and then go away from him. So, is that what Reid did? Maybe. And if he did, I personally support it. I think that works a lot better than, like I said, just suspending a guy outright because it keeps a very good blocker on the... Like, Here's, here's what it does. It forces the guy to go through some a pretty physical game. It's kind of a punishment there. It robs him of targets. We all know Kelsey loves to be productive, although he seems to like to run block, honestly. 
But we all know he loves to make big plays. He loves to be part of that. And so it robs him maybe of the thing that he likes the most and says, no, you're going to put your head down, you're going to block, and you're going to shut up. And it seems like Kelsey did just that, honestly. So... And then, and so, and then at the same time, it keeps him on the field. It makes the other defense still account for his presence, which they wouldn't have to do if he were suspended. So if that's what Andy Reid was doing, more power to him. I would applaud that as a method of punishment. Nope, today you're doing grunt work. Today you're slogging it through. And then we'll see what happens next week. And Kelsey, to his credit, had multiple really good blocks in the running game. All right, moving on to the defense. There... Well, this was another game where there was quite a bit of eight guys dropping. They had a little bit more of four guys rushing. I was really surprised at what a good job the Chargers' offensive line did in pass protection. I thought they looked real good most of the game. Um, I was expecting Justin Houston to feast all day. Now he was dropping into coverage a lot, and the Chiefs were rotating guys, just like on offense. They were rotating guys out a lot. From what I've heard, it was planned. It was apparently... You know, it was only in the low to mid-80s, but i got to tell you, playing football in the low to mid-80s in L.A. with that sun beating down on you like that, because if you just looked at the shots of the crowd, I mean, everyone looked sunburned. I think that was a day to rotate guys in and out because it seemed hot on that field. And so I was impressed with the Chargers' pass blocking. Um, There was still a lot of dropping eight guys into coverage, and so I think that's what we're going to see all year. Um Sutton trusting three guys to occasionally get pressure, but also just frustrating quarterbacks into mistakes. I got to tell you one thing, you know, they obviously had a lot of picks. Um, I, I think Phillip Rivers' arm, now he's never had a cannon, he's never even had a good arm, and he's always shot put the ball. I could be wrong, but it looked like the ball was floating just a little more than it did last year. And I'm starting to wonder if Rivers isn't hitting that uh, that Peyton Manning stage where you all remember that that last year of Manning it finally became it finally hit the point to where his passes just hung in the air way too long and you saw that on a few of the picks the Chiefs had even while the ball was in the air I was like man that's screaming for a pick and of course Terrence Mitchell came through and Marcus Peters came through and so I don't know We'll, we'll have to see moving forward but a lot of his passes were begging to be intercepted. Even even he had a long one to Travis Benjamin that you know he came down with that uh, that Mitchell put up a good fight for. Benjamin made a nice play for it, but honestly that could have easily been picked. That was a pure wide receiver play right there, not at all on the quarterback. And so that's something to keep an eye on moving forward. Speaking of Terrence Mitchell, you know I I, I hyped him up a lot this off season. Um, after a couple games, I had a few people saying they weren't sure about him because he was getting targeted a lot. Of course he was going to get targeted a lot. He was always going to get targeted a lot because he is not Marcus Peters. However, I stand by the fact that he played pretty well against the Patriots. I think he played pretty well against the Eagles. And I think he played pretty well against the Chargers. And now I think more people are going to hop on board the train because he, he caught a couple of picks. That that matters to me, but not that much. Because the reason he had those picks is because he was in great coverage. And he's been in great coverage a lot of the season. But now, you saw him come up with a few picks. You saw him make an offense pay for trying to pick on him. And I think that's a big, big deal for the defense moving forward. Um, teams have generally tried to pick on whatever corners on the field who isn't Marcus Peters, by and large. And by him picking off a couple of those throws that puts stuff on film saying, okay, this guy's got hands and he can stay in coverage. Now what? It just keeps narrowing the options the teams have. By the way, that's three games without Steven Nelson, who's considered probably our best nickel corner, who I think was poised to have a pretty good year. Um, and they're three and zero. They're they're making it without him against Tom Brady, against Carson Wentz, against Philip Rivers. So far, they're making it without him, and that's awesome because it's only going to help the defense get better. I like Philip Gaines. I always have. I, I I don't think he's on the same level as Steven Nelson when it comes to contesting passes. When it comes to um to playing out of the slot. So, um, although to be fair. You saw Philip Gaines's name less in a negative connotation. He actually made a couple of really important tackles to save big plays. So there you go. Gaines, I mean, again, I haven't reviewed his film, but I don't think he did too bad a job. But the, the big point for me is that Mitchell has now made it to where 
teams have to think twice before throwing at him because you're risking a pick, just like you are when you throw at Marcus Peters. Because Mitchell is in good position. He's very good at contesting the ball. That just gives teams one more thing to think about when you play the Chiefs defense and one more toy for Bob Sutton to play with. That's exciting for me. Um, the run defense still concerns me. Um, Melvin Gordon, some of the plays that he made were just him shaking tackles. And he's good at that. He's become a, a good running back, especially with regards to yards after first contact. Um, however, there's still, like I said, there's still some concern there that the run defense doesn't look quite as good. I've seen a few plays where DJ looks like he's more in pursuit to where, you know, people have been saying for years maybe he's lost a step, and I keep saying, eh, whatever, that's garbage. Um, he, he's ended up in pursuit a few times where he's lost the angle. Now, to be fair, every time it's happened that I've noticed, it's been against a guy like a, like a Brandon Cooks or yesterday happened against Travis Benjamin. Those guys were always much faster than DJ. And so I'm not sure, but it is something to keep an eye at moving forward. One thing I do like is a few times when it really counted, they were able to stuff the run. They were able to keep the Chargers from really getting it going, you know, for all the, uh, for for as as much as uh as Gordon did early, uh he didn't end up with that great a game statistically. Now part of that could be injury, part of it could be whatever, but he ended up averaging four point six yards per carry, which again is isn't bad. It's certainly decent, but it's not great. Once he stopped shaking tackles really really well, which again is something he does very well. He wasn't running all that well against the Chiefs. Benny Logan had a few really good stops. I cannot say enough good things about that signing. I hope they extend him during the year because he has been a great addition to the defense. He's played very well. He's been so important. And so the run defense still concerns me a little bit. But again, they seem to manage to to play it in a way that does enough to get the win. It does enough to keep teams from having a productive day on offense. And it does enough to keep them from really... You know, just, okay, we're going to run the ball 40 times this game. The Chiefs stop the run often enough that they're able to avoid that. Is is that good enough? Well, I don't know about all that. But it's good enough for right now. And so we'll see if they continue to to progress on it moving forward. Then uh, a final one final thing before our, our second break here is I, I got to talk about Justin Houston for a minute. Because Justin Houston is a beast. And he's been so much fun to see back and healthy. He's still dropping into coverage way more than I like. And I understand that that helps them not put out film and it helps make them unpredictable. But man, it was just frustrating sometimes. Now Houston was kind of quiet against the, the Chargers right tackle, which is surprising and rare, to be honest. I think they should really take a look at that right tackle to see, well, maybe we got something here. But I mean, Houston, when it counted, when it really counted on third down in the fourth quarter with the with the Chargers trying to make a comeback. He rushed the inside, just tossed the right guard out of his way, and just inhaled Rivers. I actually, he slammed Rivers to the ground so hard that I was a little concerned you might end up with a roughing the passer penalty um, in today's league. But he didn't, and it was a great, so four, it was a great play, four sacks in three games, and all of his sacks have come in the second half. They've all come at important times. They've all come at clutch times when the team really needed them. And I think that's worth noting. He also knocked down a couple passes. He had some pressures and hits and hurries. That, those are things that always go unnoticed. He, of course, also had a few great run stops and a few times where he didn't directly get the tackle, but to where he forced the running back to go too far wide and the rest of the defense swarmed. He is just a great, great player. Him by himself keeps the defense from being bad. Now, the Chiefs have a lot of other pieces that keep them from being a bad defense. They are, in fact, a good defense. But, I mean, he is that good. He raises the bar of the whole defense. Um, the pass rush in general was not very good. Some of it was three-man rushes. Some of it was the Chargers offensive line playing better than I expected. Some of it is Phillip Rivers just getting the, rid of the ball quickly like he always does. That, that guy drives you crazy because it seems like he should be easy to bring down because he's so slow. But every time, he still seems to get away. However, 
despite the pass rush not being very good, when it counted, once again, three weeks in a row, they came through and they provided pressure when it really counted, especially Justin Houston. Um, I think he should be in the early conversations for Defensive Player of the Year. Four sacks through three games, all of them at really important times. Brilliant play against the run, solid play in coverage. I mean, he is just the complete package. He is back to being one of the top five best defenders in the NFL, and it's just so great to see him out there healthy again. Um, I, I remember seeing in the season, I think we talked about this a little bit on earlier podcasts, that the over-under on uh, Bovada or whatever that network is called, uh, the over-under for sacks for him this year was 7.5, which is just like, yeah, I'm not a gambling man personally, but if some of you to put your life savings on that, I would not blame you one bit because basically what you're betting on is him staying healthy because he's three games in. He's already more than halfway there. Vegas odds makers, you know, are just like, ah, oh, crap, you know, and so hopefully he stays healthy. He looks great. He's so much fun to watch. And so I just, it's so great to say, welcome back, Justin Houston. It's just so good to see him back to what he was. And that is one of the best all around defenders in the NFL. All right, we're going to take one more quick break. Then we get back. We're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about D Ford a little bit. We're going to talk about what we saw schematically a little bit. I am going to address why I'm not going to address political stuff. So I'm not going to actually address political stuff. So don't worry, but I'm going to address why I'm not going to address because I've had some people ask me if I'm going to say something, if I'm going to not say something. I want to talk about that. And then finally, we're going to spend some time previewing the Redskins and just chat about uh, what I think that game might look like. So we will be right back to do those many, many things. Hopefully we'll accomplish it fairly quickly. All right. D. Ford. He's out with hip spasms. Even as this podcast comes out, we might hear more about his condition, whether or not he's he's hurt for long term, whether or not he's out only short term. Here's what I'll say with regards to that. D Ford being out would hurt the defense. Um but it wouldn't crush the defense. And here's the reason I say that. Ford has been a decent pass rusher this year, but he hasn't been great. At least I haven't noticed that much of him, even when I've been reviewing the film. He's not popping up with a bunch of uh, of, of pressures and hits. He's done a good job, certainly, and he, he's helped, but he hasn't been great. Um, and then in the meantime, he's struggled in run defense. He has struggled getting run at and getting picked on, and that's been a real problem. Now, one concern is that the depth behind him is Frank Zombo, who's not bad depth, but he's not good depth either. Zombo is a very, very, very maybe average depth guy, which means I'm not comfortable with him seeing a lot of starts. So we'll see what happens with that, but... With Ford, it's almost an issue of depth. I really would hope that with if Ford has to miss some time, they might try to work uh, Passigno into the game plan. I don't know if he's ready. Based on what I saw in preseason, he very well might not be. But it would be interesting to at least see him get a shot. Um, he's obviously got all the physical talent in the world. He dominated his last couple preseason games after struggling early on. So he might be a guy who can really come on and improve seeing action on the field. I think Edge was by far his best position. And so it, it would be good to see him get a chance. So we'll, we'll see what happens there moving forward. But I don't think a D Ford injury tanks the team. It does make things a little bit difficult. And also because Ford is very good in coverage. And so that helps with what they've been doing scheme-wise. That helps with what Bob's been dialing up with you know the, the three-man rush, eight-man dropping. Ford being very competent in coverage allows them to do that in a large extent. And Zombo is not a guy who can be in coverage as well. And we already saw that with one pass interference penalty. He just isn't as fast or as quick. So we'll see what happens there moving forward. Uh, shifting gears back to the offense, um, we once again, for the third week in a row, saw a shovel pass for a, 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 an important play. And uh, it was, oh, by the way, I'm sorry, I've got a bit of the sniffles today. And so if you're hearing that, well, when our production values are higher, you won't hear that. But right now, you get to suffer right along with me. Um, anyway, so the shovel pass, I, I wrote about this, and I believe the article dropped on Saturday. You can find it on Arrowhead Pride. I wrote about 
how Andy Reid is taking the read option game and kind of bringing it to a whole nother level of some stuff that we genuinely haven't seen in the NFL. And one of those things has been this shovel pass option that's been incorporated. Uh, uh, Sam at the, uh, uh, at the Kansas City paper, which for some reason it's escaping me what it's called. Yeah, I'm just going to move on. But anyway, Sam Mellinger, he wrote a great piece on it. And what it does is it basically incorporates a whole new, like a fourth option into these read option plays or a third option, depending on how many they have. And you see, you know, you've got Tyreek Hill running one direction, maybe Kareem Hunt or DeAnthony Thomas running the other direction. Then you got Albert Wilson or Travis Kelsey running another direction. And then out of nowhere, you've got a guy coming through the middle of the field, which is usually Kelsey or Wilson, for a, a, a shovel pass screen, essentially. And teams have not figured out how to defend it yet. They just haven't. Because there's just too many options there. There's too many fast guys. There's too many guys who are good with the ball in their hands. And teams just cannot figure it out. And that's been fun to see. I, they don't use it too often. Just often enough to it's in important situations where they're using it. And so what I think they're trying to do is, you know, if you use something 15 times a game, eventually a team is going to come upon a few solutions that work. And then it's on film for everyone to see. If you only use it a couple times and defenses can't figure it out, you still kind of kept the the mystery of it. So it'll be really interesting to see Monday night if they continue to incorporate that. I imagine they will. Um but it's been fun to watch. Um so <clears throat> one more one more quick topic before I, I talk about Washington versus Oakland. It was a very political weekend in the NFL, and I'm not I'm not gonna get into it. Here's why. I see this is like a difficult topic because I know even by me referencing it, some people are saying, okay, I'm turning this guy off. I'm really just referencing why I'm not referencing it, because I've had a bunch of you ask me what I think or what I'm gonna say or how I'm gonna address it, or whether I should just stick to sports. I had a few people say that. Here's my deal. I am a stick to sports guy. I'm not telling other people they need to. You do whatever you want. I do. And the reason for that is pretty simple. You guys don't listen to me or you don't follow me on Twitter, you don't read what I write on Arrowhead Pride for me to tell you what my beliefs are. And because of the, the the medium that I have, there's no real room for a dialogue between us because I'm sitting here just talking at you right now. We can't have a conversation. And so basically what I'm doing is just talking at you and, and in a large way kind of forcing my beliefs on you. And I don't want to do that. Now, I'm, again, I'm not saying that's what everyone does when they don't stick to sports, okay? People are more than welcome to try to state their beliefs, whatever. My personal belief is that you guys don't follow me for that stuff. You don't read me for that stuff. You don't listen to me for that stuff. And so I'm not going to... I feel like too much like I'm baiting and switching, okay? You want to know what my opinion on politics is? And again, I'm not going to directly address the stuff that's been going on. I'm I'm a libertarian. I think people should do what they want to do. And yeah, there might be consequences for it, but I'm kind of a libertarian, all right? Uh, here, here's what I would just say. I, I think there's enough fighting in this world. I think there's enough negativity in this world. I think there's enough people at each other's throats over Alex Smith, let alone stuff that's really important and matters so much to a lot of people. But what I see way too much of is is people, instead of talking, just yelling at each other and just further entrenching themselves in what they believe, just hating on each other even more. And I don't want to be a part of it. And so what what I think about politics, honestly, I actually used to be really political. Then I went to law school. I had an opportunity to meet some muckety-mucks from both parties. And I realized, man, this is stupid and pointless, and no one really cares. They only care about an agenda. And so I said, whatever. And so here's my view of politics. There's enough fighting out there. And I just, I just want to love my neighbor, man. That's all I care about. I think that if I take care of my own little corner of the world and just do the best I can to to be kind and to help other people out that come into my path, I think I'll make the world a much better place than I will by telling everyone what I think politically. So you're not going to hear much from me as this moves on. Occasionally I'll tweet something about how it might affect the Chiefs or what I think in general about what someone said or didn't say, but it's I'm, I'm just not big on taking a political stance and stuff. That's why. Hopefully you're okay with that. If you're not, well, you know, I love you anyway. So what are you going to do? 
Back to football. The Chiefs have Washington coming up on Monday Night Football. Like I said, I'm going to be there. DM me if you if you tailgate and you'd like to pop by. I'll let people know where I'm sitting. And again, I only say this because I've had a bunch of people ask me. I, I have no idea why any of you would really want to meet me. But if you do, I'm happy to meet you. That would be a blast. Or as I would say, a hoot and a half. And you can all make fun of me for my old-timey Minnesota dad expressions. That would be great. I'll, I'll tweet out where, where we're going to be sitting and all that kind of stuff. Um, or you can DM me if you got a tailgate, and I really will do my best to stop by and just say hey and thanks for listening. So I'm excited to be there. Washington is an interesting opponent. They're two and one now. They they beat the Rams. They they beat down the Raiders. They lost to the Eagles. Now it's tempting to say, well, they beat the you know they beat the Eagles or they lost to the Eagles and the Eagles lost to the Chiefs, so the Chiefs are better. But you and I all we know that football is matchup based. It just doesn't work that way. You know, the Chiefs beat the Patriots, and the Patriots are probably going to beat almost everyone else. That doesn't mean the Chiefs are necessarily better than everyone else, although maybe they are this year. It's matchup based. It's individual game based. And so, I've, like I said, I've had a bunch of people talk to me about the, the Raiders-Redskins game because I wasn't able to watch it. And uh, what it sounds like is that the offensive line for the Raiders didn't play well and that Derek Carr looked a lot like he does against the Chiefs because they clamped down on some short routes. Crabtree was out. Apparently, Cooper came back for some drops. Apparently, the Oakland team just didn't show up on offense. It was a bad game. However, I was told that a lot of that was because the Redskins' defense looks pretty legit. They've got a good pass rusher in Kerrigan, who, you know, it's interesting that he's still he's still plugging away. I feel like he's been a good pass rusher for a long time and an underrated pass rusher for a long time. But they got a good pass rusher in him. They got a good secondary group, particularly Norman. And I that combination is tough on a team like an offense that's reliant on good protection and wide receivers winning one-on-one. If that sounds like I'm taking credit away from Derek Carr, well, I am a little bit. Because quite often, Cooper or Crabtree win one-on-one. And quite often, that offensive line gives him plenty of time and a great pocket to work from. And when he doesn't have those things, that offense just doesn't roll as well. Uh, it sounds like Lynch came back down to earth, which will be interesting because that was something I was really worried about, um, his particular brand of play, whether that would be tough for the Chiefs. So we'll see how he looks next week. You know, they're going to be a little embarrassed. They're going to be looking to, to try to, you know, show something. They just got embarrassed on national television. Um, we'll, we'll see what they do moving forward. Um, but so anyway, moving back to the Redskins, the Redskins forced some of these issues and some of these mistakes. And so I, I'm I'm curious how the Chiefs will look against them because they played a good defense already in the Eagles. They played a good defense already in the Chargers. Even without Verrett, the or Verrett, the Chargers are still a good defense with a great pass rush. Um, the Redskins' pass rush is not on the same level as what the Eagles bring or what the Chargers bring. It's just not. Um, However, their secondary is better than both of them. Here's what I would say to that. The Chiefs' offense is uniquely suited to handle a great secondary. They've been dealing with it with the Broncos for years. And really, the Chargers have had great corners for years. And the Chiefs have been dealing with it and dealing with it well. Their offense is not dependent on wide receivers individually beating great corners. it's, It's schemed. It's heavily schemed, and that comes in handy when you're facing a team that's got like a shutdown corner in Josh Norman. That just doesn't affect the Chiefs the way it affects other teams. Um, Andy Reid basically says, okay, well, we got this guy following around whatever player, or we got this guy who's shut, trying to shut down that side of the field. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to throw a bunch of you know short screens his direction to where let's see how he deals with a blocker running at him instead of a wide receiver. And generally speaking, the offense is still able to perform at at least a decent level against good secondaries. So I'm not too worried about what the Redskins did to the Raiders, to be perfectly honest, because that game plan does not work against the Chiefs. Alex Smith is not dependent on elite blocking. Now, he needs good blocking to play great, for sure. However, he's able to eke a few things out with his legs and with uh, with execution of the offense when things aren't going his way that he's not as affected by it. The offense overall isn't quarterback dependent, and they're able to just get things done regardless. So I, I don't I don't see as much of an issue there. Um, I'll, I'll be curious to see after the uh, the Raiders you know vaunted running attack was stymied how well the Chiefs can run against the Redskins. I think they'll do fine. I think Kareem Hunt will have another good game. Uh, it'll be great to see if he can have another great game on national television because he deserves all the hype in the world for how he's playing. Um, 
then on the other side of the ball, when you uh, when you look at uh, when you look at what Washington does on offense, I'm not a believer in that Washington offense yet. Maybe I will be. Um, you know, after th- maybe they'll throw up you know 400 yards on the Chiefs and score three or four touchdowns. I'm like, oh yeah, that's a pretty good offense. But I got to tell you, they didn't have nearly the same production on offense against the Rams or against the Eagles, who both have significantly better defenses than the Oakland Raiders. The Oakland Raiders have a bad defense, guys. This is just, that's the way of the world. That's the way it's been. That's the way it still is. They just have a bad defense. Jack Del Rio should be embarrassed. He's supposed to be a defensive coach, and he cannot seem to field a good defense. So I'm just, I'm not too worried about that side of things. Um, from a more, you know, detailed standpoint, I saw a few of the throws that Cousins made, especially there was, you know, a, a couple of long plays, one to Dotson in particular. And I got to tell you, against the Chiefs, that's probably picked off. Um, you know, Emerson had decent coverage, but he made a terrible play on the ball. Um, you're not going to see that. That would have been Marcus Peters in that spot instead. And that ball... Doxon is a good player, I think, but I don't think he outfights Peters for that ball. I think it's either knocked down or picked off. If you're, I, I saw a little bit of film on what the Eagles did to Cousins. Um, now Sutton has not shown any interest in being hyper aggressive uh, like the Eagles are. But what I saw from Cousins when he was blitzed and there was any kind of pressure, he was not able to find check down receivers. He threw inaccurately, and so it really seems like a matter of putting some pressure on him and get him to make mistakes. Now, that said, I'll be curious if the Chiefs try the same strategy they've been using, you know, rushing three, dropping eight, because Cousins is not a I-will-pick-you-apart kind of guy. He uh, he's, he's a quarterback with a decent arm. He's played pretty well. However, he hasn't played nearly as well this year until playing the Raiders as he did last year. I think he was a little bit reliant on the receivers that he had last year and the weapons that they had. So we'll see what happens. Um... I just don't see the Chiefs giving up those same kind of 50-50 passes consistently. If you keep trying those on the Chiefs, you'll see what happened to Phillip Rivers, happened to uh, Kirk Cousins. And so I think it also helps that Kirk Cousins, in my opinion, is probably the worst quarterback that they've faced this year. Um, now, if that seems, you know, I'm putting Wentz above Cousins. My opinion of Cousins has always been lower than most because of the weapons that he's had. I feel like Wentz has had to make less with more or had to make more with less. <laughs> um, and so this year in particular, I think Wentz has been the superior quarterback. And so we'll see. Um, he's definitely not as good as Phillip Rivers, even with Phillip Rivers' arm maybe not being what it was. He's definitely not as good as Tom Brady. And so the Chiefs' passing defense has so far acquitted itself pretty well. I think they'll continue to do so. Um, I think their primary weakness is teams running the ball, and the Redskins haven't shown that they can really run the ball. Um that Thompson guy scares me as a receiving threat, but again, as far as being able to run the ball in the Chiefs, we'll have to see. I think the Chiefs will be able to match up really well against the Redskins, who I think, interestingly enough on defense, match up very well against what the Raiders want to do. However, what the Chiefs do and what the Raiders do are wildly different because Andy Reid is a much, much better football coach than Jack Del Rio. Um, it's not even close. And so I do think the big win is going to make by the Redskins against the Raiders is going to make some Chiefs fans nervous. But I would just say, there, for one thing, this there's a very good chance, in my opinion, that Oakland was always a bit of a paper tiger. Um, they had a lot of hype for a team that I'm not sure really improved that much. And now, so there's going to be a lot of hype for the Redskins this week because the the Raiders had a lot of hype. And when you beat the team with a lot of hype, you get a lot of hype, just like what happened with the Chiefs after week one. Um, so the, you're going to hear a lot about them. As far as I'm concerned, that just means it's one more good opponent for the Chiefs to roll through to continue to get the acclaim that they deserve this year. I'm excited for it. This is not a game that I think the Chiefs will lose, especially at Arrowhead, especially in, on a national stage like this. I think they'll do just fine. I think it's going to be a good game, but I think the Chiefs should be able to beat the Redskins without a crazy amount of drama because, again, I think the Redskins look great against the Raiders because of matchup-specific issues. I don't think the Chiefs present those same kind of opportunities for the Redskins, and so I think they walk away with a win. I'm excited to be there again. If you want to send me a direct message on Twitter about your tailgate and that kind of stuff, I promise I will try to visit. I'm excited to meet as many of you guys as humanly possible and, you know, eat your food if you're willing to give it to me. Um... It's going to be a great, great trip to Arrowhead. Could not be more excited. 
Uh, as always, I really appreciate you guys listening to the Chief in the North podcast, the land of 10,000 takes. Make sure to subscribe, whatever, you know, whatever method you're using to listen. If you could make sure to rate and review and subscribe and all that stuff. I know it's silly, but it really does make a difference and it helps me continue to bring this to you if you enjoy it. Well, that's it for today, you guys. I will see you not next week because I'm not going to be recording on Monday next week because, you know have the game on monday so next week the podcast should be coming to you i would say wednesday and i'm just excited i will give you a recap of my trip if you're into that kind of thing and i can't wait to talk more chiefs football with you guys thanks again for listening and i will talk to you next week